give an insight from you uh, that they can just guide us um, to be, you know, to learn more and to learn how we can be better, I guess, so everyone can be better single parents or how to deal with um, just the complications of everything that comes with that and that, uh, you know, it'll, it'll help us to be better in 2019. We love you. We thank you. Please be with us. Sorry. Just thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to introduce myself in a minute, but go ahead and turn your Bible to Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 46. And uh, we need advice. What do we have? And I'm going to go ahead and read. It's very familiar that I've, we've all read this a million times probably. Jesus says in Luke 6:46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Uh, my name is Jeff Reese. Uh, I was converted to the Nashville Church back in 1991. I was in the middle of my house being destructed back in 1991. Uh, my parents, uh, through the grace of God, became disciples in 1988 in Nashville. Little did they know, my, my life was slowly start to unravel. So in 1991, uh, my wife left with my infant daughter, and so I was, you know, devastated. It was very traumatic. and was uh, life-changing and all sorts of things. We've been here about four and a half years, had a beautiful baby girl. And on the outside, things looked great. I had the great house but built on the foundation. But those things don't get exposed, really, until really hard times come along. And uh, men like myself often need very uh, knucklehead moments, really difficult times to really get them to come to their senses and figure out really what's, what's right about life, what's up and what's down. And so I became a Christian in 1991 as a single dad, lived that way for a number of years before I remarried, and been remarried now to my wife for 25 years. We have uh, two incredible kids. My daughter, Sydney, is a part of the Georgia State Ministry. My, my son's 22, has some mental health issues, and so he lives with us while we uh, care for him and take care of his needs. But, uh, you know, life goes on. We, we're going to have challenges in our life, but it's really great to share this morning. Uh, quick question. is: If we were to embark on this exotic journey with somebody, Imagine you're going to travel the world and you have all these great places you're going to go, all these destinations, you know, all the, the excitement of going on this incredible trip with somebody. And uh, it's awesome. You can plan it. it. It's expensive. You know, it's just one of those, you know, it's something you look forward to entire your life. Imagine about six months in, uh, your, your boat gets capsized in a, in a terrible storm. Uh, the person that's in it leaves, you're left capsized, you almost die, you get rescued, and it, it just, it's just, it's terrible, right? Uh, if knowing that in advance, do you think you would have gone on that trip? Heck no. None of our right mind would have taken a trip like that knowing that six months in we'd lose everything, be capsized, almost die, left with actually almost nothing. We would have never chosen that trip. And what I've learned as a Christian for 25 years and a single dad, that single parenting, God only chooses single parents because he knows we can handle it. You may may shake your head, but I'm serious. 
He knows that there's something deep down inside of us that's very special, but things have, things have got to kind of get churned up inside for the best the best version of yourself to be made true. I mean, I absolutely believe that with all my heart. But the problem, I think, is when we talk here and they're going to find out that Satan's plan is for you not to believe that and live a life that could be mediocre, have low expectations, not live up to things you'd like to do. And so I want to talk about some of that. And I didn't know if it was going to be women here or men. So it was kind of a, so hopefully my goal today is you to get maybe one or two nuggets that you can take away and really hopefully change some part of your life. I hope that's the, the case. hope it's going to be awesome for you. Uh, I think single parenting is giving God's best people a chance to become the absolute best versions of themselves. I feel now, 25 years later, I'm 56. When I was 29, I didn't know nothing from nothing. I mean, I, it, it's, I look back and I think, how in the world did I, did I ever find my way in the kingdom? I can't even grasp. But now, 27 years later, later I really live in the, the best version I possibly can just because I, I've, I've learned some things from scriptures over, you know, over years of time. Uh, I was uh, spending time with my daughter. She comes up from Georgia State, and we had breakfast uh, about every month or so. And, you know, the campus ministry, you have people come and go. There's a lot of turmoil sometimes. And she's seen difficult things in our life. We, we were living far away. We moved up 50 miles to be part of North River. Uh, she has a brother who has mental health challenges, very severe. So she's seen her share of turmoil, and she's been a disciple since she was 15, she's 20. And she said, Dad, how have you stayed faithful for 27 years? Not just faithful, but really vigorous, and I mean, you guys are doing a lot. I say, let me tell you, uh, anybody can do well when you have a full winds, when you have a full wind to your back. When you're on top of the mountain, the wind's behind your back, anybody can do well in that situation. What makes the real disciple, the real true version come out, is how you handle when difficult things come. Yeah. I've learned my most and best lessons when things were crappy. Yeah. We'll go ahead and say that, because things have gotten that way, right? Yeah. When things get terrible, weren't their worst, when you think to yourself, what have I gotten myself into? That's when you learn the most viable lessons, because that's when you learn what you're made from. My favorite scripture during this time is 1 Peter 1.7. These have come trials, so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine. Right. I would have never learned that my faith was genuine unless I've gone through, and the divorce wasn't the only hard thing I've gone through. I mean, there's, a, there's been difficulties since then. We went to a real, we were in the ministry, got out, went through a bankruptcy, had a child with mental health issues. And we've had our fair, being married even, we've had our fair set of trials. But when you're a single parent, these trials have come not because God's looking down upon you or you've done something wrong or uh, you've made a mistake, another bad decision. These have come so your faith can be proved genuine. And you've got to really believe that. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. Uh, i got a couple of points, that hope, a couple of nuggets that will help you, I think, in our journey. Uh, number one. Crucial step one for building a strong single parent house is number one, a strong mind. I'm going to say it again. You've got to have a strong mind. If your mind's not strong, you're going to get your mind in the gym. If I had some single brothers here, I'd really be saying, you've got to, you have got to have a strong mind. It need not apply uh, if, you don't have, if you don't have a desire to have a strong mind. Because it is imperative. Because look what the scripture says here. 
He says, those who hear my words put into practice is like a man. There is this fine line between hearing and put it into practice. Your ear is put right here on the side of your action, part of your mind. And so what Satan does, he gets right inside your head, seriously, he resides right in here to try to disrupt what you hear from put it into practice. Now there's a lot of action words which sometimes we see put into practice. Always talking about, I need to go serve somebody. Well, I, I need to go do this. I need to give money. I need to all these doing scriptures. That's not really what he's talking about here. There's a lot of attitude scriptures that you have to put into practice to really build a strong foundation. And some of these attitude scriptures that Jesus talks about are imperative. I know for me, uh, it's human nature for me to put into practice what we believe to be true. Whether you like it or not, you live a life based upon something that you believe to be true. If you work in a job and they're paying you X number of dollars and you think, wow, that's, you know, that's, or you get treated bad at work, let's say, then, and you're okay with that, then you must believe it's true that to be treated that way. Maybe it's like that in any sort of relationship. If somebody treats you poorly in a relationship and you put up with it, something in your brain tells you that it's okay to do that. So we put into practice what we believe to be true. I think that's really important in our lives. I know when I became a single parent, the biggest thing that I had to overcome was feeling guilty and feeling ashamed. You know, a lot of, you know, it takes two to tango or divorce. But I kept going, wow, what did I bring about? What kind of, maybe what kind of husband was I to bring this about? And so there's a lot of shame involved. A lot of, all my friends separated themselves from me. And I had these new friends in the church, which are great. But I started, I mean, there was a lot of shame involved. It, it, here's how it manifests. It, it kind of came out in me in the way I practiced. The first thing I, I felt like was uh, I had low expectations. Mm-hmm. Ever, ever felt that way? Ever had low expectations? It's, a lot of it's brought on by the way you feel that should come true in your life. A belief system that's based on, well, that's kind of what I deserve or that's what I expect. I remember my first date in the kingdom was actually now my wife. I know, wild home. And I really liked her. And I was coming out of the world. I mean, I was, it was, you know, I like her a lot. And so Florence Sackinger, who, uh, her husband led the church, Jeff Sackinger, up in Connecticut now. She said, how did they go? I said, it was great. And she could sense that I was ready for another relationship. And that is the farthest thing from the truth. So, Jeff, you've got to realize that right now, you would like anybody that's nice to you and didn't yell at you. Yeah. I went, wow, is this my new standard? <laughs> Seriously. Is this my new standard in life that I would, fall, I would fall for somebody that's just nice to me? Now, they maybe could end up being the perfect match. But if that's now my standard for life, I mean, I have... I had such a low expectation because I felt really bad about myself. I felt really guilty about uh, that's not what I signed up for. I mean, my daughter's going to be part of a broken household her entire life. How's she going to turn out? There's a lot of guilt. Number two, uh, I didn't pursue things that were good for me. I quit pursuing stuff that were ultimately good, better self-betterment type stuff, because I felt kind of I wasn't worthy to do that. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of things. And there were guys in here I'd be talk to him about that. Uh, one thing, I was, I was, this was very difficult, I wanted to overindulge my child and not discipline her. Big problem with sing, single parents is they feel bad so they have to overcompensate. 
the dad's not here, or I, I can't be with my daughter all the time, but I can't be the bad guy here because what's she going to think? So I can't really discipline this thing I know needs to be disciplined. And it's just a weird dynamic. And if you feel guilty and you're not careful, you end up overindulging and doing poor, bad things for people because you're responding to a, a kind of a guilt type thing. Uh, fourth thing, really bad, uh, lack of self-care. Uh, people that feel guilty just they don't take care of themselves. They don't feel like, well, I should take care of myself. And, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is in, uh, how we do on time here? Good. Uh, Luke 10, 41, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Mary has chosen what is better. You read a scripture, it, it's all about self-care. You know, Martha was all worried about, what are people thinking about my house or my kids running around? I feel bad about myself, so I better take care of these items. And Jesus is like, here's about what your house looks like. You need, you need to take care of you. And I think guilt and shame is a lot of times in the, in the single parent world, it's just they all kind of collide on one another. Because that we believe these things to be true that Satan has told us, and it's really not true. How about these scriptures? Here's some attitudes that I've learned. If I put them into practice, I mean, it literally transformed my life. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. <clears throat> Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. If you understood this scripture and you had just this scripture, it, it will transform your life. Who's John the Baptist? He was the greatest man ever to live, according to Jesus. No man has ever been born greater than this guy. I mean, can you imagine Jesus saying that about you? Nobody's greater than... than put your name in there. And then he goes, and yet, he who's least in the kingdom is greater than this guy. If you believe that about yourself, that I am greater than John the Baptist, and not in a cocky way or an arrogant way, but really believe that in your heart, it will change the way you live your life. It will change the way you walk in a door. It is so true. You'll never sell the back row again. Who says John the Baptist on the back row? No. You want to be part. I'm the man. He shows up, sits on the front row. When you believe this to be true, and put that into practice, what does it manifest itself? Self-care. I mean, you end up looking at what your time is worth and that you value yourself a lot more. And all of a sudden, you, you, I learn to say no. When I, when I put this into practice, I learn to say no. Because that's not good for me. I, I need to protect my space, protect my time. Because my, I'm, what, I, what I've got here is valuable. And that's how you start living your life when you, when you start putting value like God has put value in you. That's super important. Another scripture, turning point for me, I grew up with an emotionally unavailable father. And the father figure was, what is that? I mean, I get it. I mean, okay, I get it. Father, but emotionally, it just wasn't there. I remember in the turning point for Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I remember this was 10 years in my disciple journey, and this was all a... It takes time to really get these into your heart. Because as a single dad, for every year you're distant from your child, it takes your child a year to overcome that. It took me about 20 years to overcome an emotionally distant father. My dad's a brother in the church. But he's awesome. We have a great relationship. But it took me about 20 years 
to overcome all the years he was emotionally distant from me. Because you don't get that father emotionally availability type thing. Very, very key. So a single dad was here. Don't be unavailable to children. <laughs> they, they, especially boys, they need you. So these are all very action words. Micah chapter 7, verse 19, and we'll kind of close out my, my section here. Is you'll again have compassion on us. You'll tread our sins underfoot and hurl all your equities into the depths of the sea. Ever felt guilty about your sin? I used to. Uh, stuff in the past. Uh, things I could have done differently. You know, all the... You just, you know... My first wife and I, her dad was a, a preacher. and We lived together before we married. Uh, it's what everybody did. It's what I did. And... Uh, felt guilty about that for a long time. You know, of all the uh, women that, uh, you know, just crazy stuff, live in a fraternity house. And so when I was in college, so I felt guilty. And what guilt makes you feel is unworthy. You feel ashamed. I blew it again. I'm an idiot. You know, all these sort of stuff. But it says here, and tread our sins underfoot and hurl all your equities into the depths of the feet of the sea. Uh, I'd ask myself a question. Do I feel guilty about my sins? Why? Do you know what the average depth of the ocean is? Anybody have a stab at that? That's the, that's the deepest part of the ocean. But the average depth. Two miles. If you're on a boat and you drop your car keys over the side of a boat and they go down two miles deep, are you ever going to see your car keys again? No. Never. Not even a hint. No. Nothing. Nobody's going to find them. God says, I've thrown your sins into the depths of the sea. Who keeps bringing them up? We do. They're, already, they're down here. Why bring them up? They're down there. God's like, what sin? I put them on my back. Another scripture to put into practice, a single parent is, like, okay, we all got sin, but sometimes some of our sin kind of lingers because our kids show up and it's a constant reminder of, man, I'm, I'm an idiot. But you've got to remember that God has put our sins behind her back as well as the depths of the sea. And again, if you really put this into practice, it manifests itself into this confident, vibrant, can't-stop-you type person when you understand how God feels about you and what He's done with your life. Uh, just to kind of close it with my notes, and the mic's going to come up, and other things you have, a strong might have strong friends. This guy did not build this house by himself. Not going to happen. He brings people. I mean, I'm, I'm, he, he brought people to help me carry these rocks, help me dig this deep. I have three friends in my life that I've known for 27 years that were really my, 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 my hombres that I've still known. The ones in Colorado, ones up in Connecticut, they were there with me in the beginning and as their, their phone call away. If you, you got to travel this journey with not just acquaintances, not casual, but people that, that are your friends that you would believe for. Otherwise, your journey, it's going to be a tough one. It's tough having a strong mind and doing this life on your own without having a strong mind and really strong friends. So I hope some of these little nuggets can help out. And uh, I want to turn this over to Mike. And then uh, uh, that's Micah chapter 7, verse 19. And if you'll write down Job 2.11, it's a great scripture about friends. Friends when the Job had a time of need. I want to close out with about 20 minutes of my time. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. Thank you for taking your time to come and 
So I'm appreciative of that. And uh, there's a lot of things you could be doing with your Sunday, but you chose to come out to this journey conference and utilize the time to hopefully gain some insights, some knowledge, benefit yourself in some way. So hopefully the things that I share, something will resonate with you, will help you, will be of uh, benefit to you. Um, now, I know when you first came in here, some of you were saying, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a parent yet, but I wanted to gain maybe something about it, or I am a parent. So who are parents here? Raise your hand. Okay. And then there's a couple of people that are just wanting to know about parenthood, right? So for those of you that are parents, I applaud you. I really do. For those of you that are considering parenthood, I tell I, I, I say to you, give it thorough consideration <laughs> yeah. before committing to it. Yeah. I believe that being a parent is the hardest job you will ever have. I've been doing it for twenty seven years. It is the single most hard it is the single most hardest job you will ever have. Yes. I've added something to that list. Being a parent and a sinner. In a center. There you go. There you go. And 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 I. <clears throat> the thing is, not it, it is the hardest job you've heard, but it's also the greatest. It is the source of your greatest joy, and your greatest frustrations. So, um, yeah. So, and I love being a parent. I've been a parent for 27 years. I have three awesome kids, adult kids. I have a 22-year-old daughter, Stacy, who's a senior at uh, Kennesaw State. I have a 24-year-old son, Jeremy, who's been out of the military, out of the Army for about a year now, and he's just trying to make his way, wants to be an entrepreneur, so he's kind of in the midst of that. And then I have um, a 27-year-old daughter, Samantha, who's, uh, but my daughters are both disciples. My son is kind of trying to find his way, so he's still trying to figure it out, and right now, God's not a part of the equation. So, but that doesn't mean that we aren't sowing the seeds of love in his life at every moment, every chance that we have to do that. So, um, as a parent, I've made my share of mistakes, plenty of them. Um, and over the course of twenty, over this course of twenty-seven years, but fortunately, uh, we have the ultimate parent to teach us uh, the how-to's of parenting, and that is our heavenly Father. And and uh, I just wasn't sure about the. There, there was a, a parent guide out there. I didn't realize that the Bible. There's a there's a guide to teach you everything you need to learn about being an amazing parent, and it's it's right there in the Bible. It's the most popular book in the in, in the world, and it used to sit on my floor and collect a lot of dust. And uh, but thank God, someone reached out to me and opened my eyes to see the light. But um, My the, the thing about it is my mind wasn't uh, in a place um, back in 2000 when I became a single parent. So in 20 in 2010 I was uh, I was um, rescued and I was transformed and I became a disciple in 2010. But from 2000 to 2010 I was in the darkness. But the thing is my mind was governed by the sinful nature. I didn't realize that, but it was. It was truly governed by the sinful nature. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. 
But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So, being in the realm of the flesh, I didn't get it. I didn't know how to please God. Uh, and, and so I was, you know, I, I was at a loss um, trying to figure it out, kind of wallowing my way through life. But since coming to faith, um, God has taught me much in the areas, in all areas of my life uh, that have helped me to refine my parenting skills. And uh, I've come up with five um, attributes uh, that God has modeled for me uh, that's helped me in my efforts to be a godly parent to my kids just as God has been apparent to me. Um, learning the Bible, studying the Bible, um, you know, gaining insight into God's teachings have helped me to be a better parent. So attribute number one, patience. The dictionary defines patience as the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Prior to becoming a disciple in 2010, if you were to ask me if I considered myself uh, a patient person, um, I would have confidently told you that I was. Um, but I definitely recall a, a lot of fits of rage that I exhibited prior to coming to Jesus. And um, I know uh, there was a time, and there's probably several times, and maybe some of you parents can relate, um, I remember vividly um, a time when I had my three kids when they were younger in the back seat of a car. And they were all going at it, bickering, arguing. And, of course, the anger that builds up. And I just remember turning around and, like, exploding, you know, just with an angry outpour, you know. And I can only imagine, I mean, there was a silence, you know, because I'm sure that really just, like, stunned them, you know. Dad's like, wow, he's mad. So that um, kind of thing was going on when my mind was governed by the sinful nature, just these, these fits of rage. And uh, it's funny to think of yourself as like, yeah, I'm such a, parent. I'm such a, I'm such a patient guy. But then, yet yeah, living with these moments, uh, these, these fits of rage, you know, it's like it's just, this wasn't a, a good thing. So... Um, uh, patience brings self-restraint and careful thinking. God is a patient God. Um, as God has modeled patience for, for me, uh, we too must model it for our kids. Um, I believe patience cultivates an environment of compassion, trust, love, openness. And um, in order to do this successfully, we must do as Romans 13.14 instructs. And in Romans 13, 14, it says, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. For, so, also, beyond that, it says, for God, I say, for God is love, and love is patient. And, and his love is now my love, since becoming a disciple. So think about that. God is love. Love is patient, as we know in, in 1 Corinthians 13. And now, his love is my love. So, 
And his patience is now my patience. So now I can walk with confidence, knowing that I have this I have I have the Spirit of God living within me, who's constantly transforming me, and I have his patience. So that's very uh, encouraging. In two Peter three nine, it says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We see God's patience exhibited in the days of Noah. As it says in 1 Peter 3.20, it says God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. So we see and we read about the patience that God has for us. So we, in turn, as godly parents, can have learn, learn to have patience for our kids and with our kids. And because I've clothed myself with Christ, the anger that once dwelled within me uh, has all but vanished, uh, which has allowed me to become a more patient, loving parent. Um, Colossians 3.21, the message version says, Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. Wow. I mean, that's, that's huge. Don't come down too hard on your, on your kids. Because a lot of times, I know we want what's best for our kids and we want to encourage them and spur them on and, and we want them to have the best life possible. But we have to be careful. We have to develop patience and we have to cultivate an environment of, of that patience with our kids. Attribute number two, perseverance, which is continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. For the longest time, um, my response to opposition or difficulties was to quit or flee. You know, get away. You know, this is too hard. I can't do it. Um, But Jesus models endurance uh, perseverance during opposition. Matthew 4, 1 through 2. Jeff uh, Hickman was talking about this today. Think about this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. If that's not perseverance, I don't know what is. I'm thinking, you're, you're, you're 40 days and 40 nights going without fasting. I'm like, and like Jeff was saying, I can, I can barely go 40 minutes with, a, with fasting. And, and Jesus is modeling <coughs> perseverance. 40 days and 40 nights. So Jesus assures us that despite opposition, that in him and through him, um, that he will supply us with what is necessary to overcome. Uh, in John 16.33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Right? So, what an encouraging uh, scripture to know that, yes, take heart, persevere, and know that life is hard, and you're going to face challenges and difficulties. But if we persevere, we know that in Him we already have the victory, right? He's already overcome. So we have to believe and trust and persevere as he persevered. Um, through God's strength, I've been able to 
meet the physical demands of my job and press on and have done so for many years, for nearly 19 years. I've been able to draw upon this and to, to encourage my kids uh, not to grow weary. Um, and despite, despite difficulties with work and relationships. Um, I remember uh, the time my oldest daughter had uh, received an amazing job opportunity. Um, it was a newly created position. And um, God had blessed her with her, blessed her with this position, basically uh, just um, out of like thin air, just kind of like came out of nowhere. Been praying for it, and just like, but it was something immeasurably more. It's like, wow. So um, it, it was truly immeasurably more, and she had been asking for, and, and but yet, despite this incredible gift, only after a few weeks, I remember the phone calls. Oh, I can't do this, Dad. It's too hard. I can't do it. I mean, I, this is this is too much. Um, but I remember the long conversations that we had, and um, just really trying to encourage her and. Um, tell her to to trust and believe and, and, and to persevere that God has something in store for you if you continue on if you press on it's early in the game God has blessed you with this amazing opportunity there's a reason why there is a reason why he's given you this opportunity so don't throw in the towel you know don't flee don't quit don't run you know fight the good fight you know Persevere, press on. So, and the, and the amazing thing about it is that, you know, after these conversations, she she did, she she did persevere. She did press on, and God worked in her life powerfully in that works in that workplace. She started a, a, a Bible talk right there at work, you know, and drew people in and was a light to so many people there. And, and this was an opportunity that would have been gone if she would have just thrown in the towel if she wouldn't have persevered if she wouldn't have pressed on but God had bigger plans we don't see those big plans we can't see around the corner but God has something special in store he has something amazing in store He's, he, he put her in a place for a reason you know and so thank God that she she was able to to overcome and so she did and it was amazing to see how she loved people and how people responded uh, to this this Bible talk, and it was, what a gift, you know. But uh, I, and that really encouraged me. Um, as God reminds us in Hebrews twelve uh, one through th- one through three, says therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance. So we are called to persevere, like Jesus persevered. So model that. Model that for your kids. Number three, purity. Now, when we think of purity, I think maybe the first thing that comes to mind is sexual purity, purity of your body. But I'm talking about purity uh, of your thoughts, purity of your words, purity of your actions. Overall, being pure as a as an individual, as a mom, as a, as a father, as, a, as an individual, as a, as a person. Um, purity is freedom from anything that tarnishes, contaminates, pollutes. Right? 
So the purity I'm speaking of is purity of our thoughts, purity of our words, purity of our actions. Purity really speaks to the condition of our heart. Right? This is because as Proverbs 4.23 tells us that everything that we do flows from the heart. So prior to making Jesus Lord, the message that I was sending to my kids was quite clear that being in a sexual relationship um, outside of marriage was fine. Because my kids were with me when I was dating and had my, my um, significant other with me overnight while they were over in the, in the room. So that's a pretty clear message. Hey, this is, this is okay. Dad's doing it. You know, so, but the thing is, um, yeah, so that was, yeah, I remember the night with my girlfriend, with, again, um, was clearly sending a, a message there. And um, certainly uh, there were times of filthy language uh, coming out of my mouth. You know, and, and maybe I was, I wasn't doing it a lot, but I wasn't necessarily guarding my tongue. It was just, if it, something came out, like, it just came out. You know, because I was in the world. I was of the world. So it's like, you hear it all the time, right? Even now, as godly men and women, we're in environments where we're constantly surrounded by the talk of the world. The, you know, the, the things that uh, are, you know, really just not great. You know, we, we, don't, we don't follow in those ways. And so... Um, but I, the thing is, I died to that way of living, right? So when I was buried in baptism with Jesus and raised to a new life, what I modeled for my kids from that time on was honoring God with my body, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 20, where it says, honor God with your body, right? And not letting any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, as mentioned in Ephesians 4.29, where it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up. So that's my mindset. You know, being pure, thoughts, your actions, and your mind. So we must con- constantly encourage our kids to turn away from evil and do good, to uh, seek peace and pursue it. That's Psalm thirty-four, fourteen. Attribute um, number four: prudence. Prudence, um, the ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason care, caution, and good judgment, as well as wisdom in looking ahead. Skill and skill good judgment in the use of resources. Caution with regard to practical matters. Discretion. Uh, Proverbs 19.2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? So, um, think about that. We have desires... And we desire to do things. But if we're not wise, if we're not having careful judgment, if we're not cautious, and we rush into something, we rush ahead, uh, we may miss the mark. And, and most times, we will miss the mark. So we have to be thinking ahead. We have to have caution. We have to have uh, uh, a group of advisors, counselors, trusted friends that we can lean on and go to when we have decisions to make. Proverbs 12, uh, 15 through 16 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Fools show their annoyance at once, 
but the prudent overlook an insult. So more so than ever, we live in a world um, with enticement to have the biggest and the best or the latest and the greatest. Right? By running after the world in all its desires, we can find ourselves in a snare uh, and in a mode of one step forward and two steps back. Right? So, uh, uh, practicing uh, prudence, uh, being wise, uh, looking to others for advice is a huge key. Uh, By the errors of my ways and the hard lessons I've learned, I've been able to advise my kids to give things more thought and to seek out multiple advisors. Right? As in Proverbs 15.22 it says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And I found that very true. And prayerfully, you have go-to people. You have people, trusted, trusted advisors that you can go to. If not, I really encourage you to find and seek out those individuals because they are invaluable. And um, so I'm very grateful to have those people in my life. And finally, um, the, the, last, the last key of my five keys is prayer. Right? So prayer is, communica- is a communication process that allows us to talk to God. Prayer is our direct line with heaven. Um, so Jesus set an example for us on how to pray and on what to pray. He, he, he prayed uh, for his disciples and for every generation that would follow him. His, his prayer was that God would protect and strengthen them and as long as they were in the world. And Jesus also prayed for those who would come to believe in him through the gospel message. So I encourage you and I say pray with your kids. Pray for your kids. Share your prayer requests with one another. Um, talk about and share answered prayers. That's powerful. It really shows the power of God in your, in, in, in your life, in, in our lives, and that God does answer prayers. Because we've seen it, I've seen it time and time and time again. And it's good to remember those things and to share those with your kids. I remember um, uh, one of the best times that was not that long ago, uh, I went on a prayer walk with my daughter. And it's amazing to be able to hear the prayers of your kids and their hearts. Because it's, it's from the heart that they're talking, they're speaking. It's like, wow, this is my kid. You know, and she's opening up her heart to her dad. It's like, wow, that's really special. So really uh, encourage your kids with prayer and pray with them, pray openly, pray in front of them, and pray for them, talk about your prayers. It's, uh, it's huge. 1 Peter 3 says, 1 Peter 3 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. God definitely answers prayers. Thank God. Okay, here's some practicals. Be accessible. Have an open door policy with your kids. Okay? Make it it known to your kids that they can always call on you and count on you. Jesus says, come to him and learn from him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, James four seven through eight says, "Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you." So, just as Jesus says, "Come and learn from Him," 
You know, he models that. We model for our kids. With, I'm accessible. I'm, I'm here for you. You know, come, let's talk, let's share, let's op- be, be open about what's going on in your life. Don't be closed off, don't, don't hide, don't be ashamed, but model your, you know, your accessibility to your kids. I'm, not, I'm here to help you. I love you, you know? So come to me and, and learn. Because I have a lot of years on that. And I've gone through a lot of junk, right? And so I, you, you maybe find that that can help you out. You know, I, I know what you've gone through because I probably experienced what you may be experiencing right now. So that's huge. Second, listen to your kids. Okay? Be attentive to their concerns. You know, in this, in this life, we're, we're, we're rush, 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 busy, 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 busy with busyness, right? It's easy to get overwhelmed and um, lose sight of the things and the ones, the loved ones that are most important in our lives. And we need to give them time and we need to value their, their time and their thoughts and their concerns. And if we show them that we value their time, their thoughts, their concerns, I mean, sky's the limit. I mean, these, these, the kids will just, will, will be so, um, feel so loved, so special, so nurtured. And that's what we want them to feel, right? Yeah. We want them to feel that way. Um, what child does not want to feel loved? Uh, you know? So, um, I always think about James 1.19. It says, um, be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now, quick to listen, I'm quick to speak. You know? You know? You know? Yeah, quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to speak? Mm, no. I, I'm like, we switch that around and that's me. Talk, 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 talk. Quick, 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 quick. Okay, gotta get my thoughts in. Whoop, hold up. I got a great thought here. Gotta throw it in there. Yours will come after I'm done. You know? So, but, God is clearly saying, hey, You know, there's an art to listening and being a good listener. Man, I don't know how many times when I was growing up, you know, when I was in school, my report card would come back and say, Mike likes to talk. It's like, Mike's a big talker. I didn't think I was, but apparently I am, right? Yes, I'm a big talker. I mean, talk, 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 talk. So, listen. Be attentive. Listen to your kids. Sometimes we might just think about, we have an agenda, it's our agenda, we got things we got to do. No. Let the kids see that you value them by listening to them, right? Okay, practice and model the things we're just talking about. Purity and patience and perseverance and prudence. Practice and model these for your kids. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.6, this is the, the NLT version, he says, we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. Love your kids with a sincere love. Make sure they know this is a, that, you know, I love you sincerely, completely, wholeheartedly. Let it, let it be known that your love is a sincere love. By how you walk, how you carry yourself, how you model these things that your Heavenly Father is modeling for you. So, make sure you take notice how God is, is, is trying to father you and 
put these things into practice. And, you know, you will have uh, great success with your kids. That's it for me. Thank you. Okay, so does anybody have any things they want to talk about, or any questions, any anything? Go ahead. Okay. Um, I want to make a comment first. Thank you, gentlemen, very much for being with us. Thank you. Um, I know it said, at first it said single dads. So I, know. I know. You guys are maybe expecting single dads. But I believe God chose the time and place for people to be. I believe God wants all of us women here. I mean, I would have loved to see single dads here too. Amen. Amen. We'll, yeah, we'll amen. Take it back. I'll take it back to Miami and share with the ones that I know. Yeah. But um, it's super encouraging to see men, you know, men of God sharing um, just being a single dad or being, you know, the example of being in the world and now in the kingdom and being the opposite of the way you work in the, in the world because a lot right. of us have dads that are not emotional mm. that are not in our lives. So just mm. seeing this example and having hope for our own fathers right. and having hope for our sons and really seeing too how we could apply what you guys have shared um, in our own lives because just listen to hear you talking. I'm thinking about my son. Like, you know, he's, you know, he has a, oh, I'm getting emotional. So he could be stubborn, right? It's okay. Boys are stubborn. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, that's, you're not the, the only stubborn kid. So, like, I love him dearly. He, he's such a great boy. Yeah. But, like, sometimes some of the things I think and maybe hurt him. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I want to be able to discipline him, but not. Right. You know, and I think it's so important, like you said to me, I'm going to love it sincerely, where I could, you know, speak to him right. about what I see, but not say things that could be damaging for his future. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. what, what you gentlemen are sharing are very important because we need to apply these things for ourselves. We're not men, so we don't know exactly, you know, how men function, you know, all that. Yeah. So just hearing from you is helping me to be able to go back and apply a lot of these things. Yeah. Helping my son. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank, thank you, you so me. much. Yeah. yeah, thank you. That's yeah, awesome. Also find a good brother that your your son how old is your son? He's fifteen. Mm. Yeah. 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 He's been in the Bible for a while. He has yeah. brothers in there, but you know. Yeah, don't don't put the focus on studying the Bible. Uh, put the focus on really having somebody you can really connect with. Yeah. My, my son's twenty two. Uh, I mean he he had been interested he's got some he's got some pretty severe mental stuff. But you made him he's completely normal. Uh, what's impacting the most is, is we don't bring up the study the Bible stuff. Yeah. So it's more of watching our lives and our relationships. Mm-hmm. And some kids will get it later in life. Some kids will get it in their teens. But don't yeah. put that kind of study Bible pressure on. Mm-hmm. You know, he yep. actually acts as good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like with my kids, I make sure they you know choose. The, and he actually chose the person and set up his study. Good. Wow. On his own. So, that's yeah, great. So pray that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so great. much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's I awesome. See that. I'm like, oh my goodness. It, it challenges my faith, but it, yeah. it helps me to depend yeah. more God. <laughs> yeah. But my son was, was the same way because he, year, several years ago, he started, he, he was coming to church, but he felt like there was a pressure to have to be in this environment that I was a part of, right? And so that really drew him away rather than just not focusing so much on all the church things, but just trying to make connections and, rela- and build relationships, rather. But I think he, he got scared off, yeah. and so that drew him yeah. away. Now, my youngest was like that, too, but perfectly, she, she came back. Yeah. You know, but it was on her own, yeah. you know, her, her own decision. It wasn't like, I'm trying to claw at you. Yeah. It was like, oh. she came back of her own free will, and then made relationships, and then, you know, studied the Bible and became a disciple, which was awesome. So, 
you know, hopefully Jeremy will continue to, you know, be inspired or encouraged by our lives. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sure, go ahead. Uh, um, I don't have children, but um, my younger sister, she just kind of moved back in law school with me and my grandmother. She's 17. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's she's definitely at that age. You've already had, like, a disagreement where she's like, I'm coming here to, like, have freedom and do all this stuff. But I'm like, you're 17, right? So there's this balance between, yes, I want you to blossom and I don't want to clip your wings. Right. And decide where, like, your wings have to be clipped. Right. So it's like, how do you figure that out? Like, Who's this? Is your daughter? Or? No, no, my sister. It's your sister. Here's, uh, and her dad's not in the picture. He's, yeah. yeah. Here's, a, here's a tough thing. Uh, there's a scripture where uh, Jesus shows up at a Pharisee's house and a woman shows up who's a sinful woman and she is at his feet pour perfume on him just, you know, and all the Pharisees are aghast. And Jesus tells a story about a man who owes 50 denarii and somebody owes 500. Who, who loved the most? Right. He goes, one with 500. I think as parents, we're afraid for our children to become like her. Or it could be a guy. Okay, I'm not, it's just, we're afraid for our kids to become really sinful. Yeah. All of a sudden, that's whatever that may mean. But that's sometimes exactly what it takes. And there's a point in time where you have to kind of... There's, not that you wipe your hands out, but you have to watch them go through some really bad stuff. But you have to continue you, to you model keep loving them and, and model. loving yeah. them and encouraging them. Now, you obviously are not going to be able to force them to do anything because that is their own free will. But, but by your good life, you know, by your, the way you carry yourself and the way you honor God and how you live, people notice that. She will take note of that, right? So she may, she may stray. She may go off in a direction, but she's going to see you as, a, as an example of a godly woman. And she's going to like, I know that she may come, she may come finally come to a point that I don't like my life. I don't like to run that. And sometimes you've got to fall hard. You know? And it, it's hard to let someone you love fall hard. But sometimes, it's like, sometimes that's exactly what they need. They have to fall. But you will be there as the the rock, the, the the constant, the, the the woman who loves God, and then we'll be able to pick her up. And say like, hey, let's talk, let's walk, and talk, share. So, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I want to say something about my son, but I just want to say my sister has been a disciple for twelve years, and I was the same way we lived together, where uh, you know. She would try to like show me the right way, and it wasn't happening. And four years ago, because I watched her life and how she was, I decided to become a disciple. But seeing how she was faithful and she persevered, it inspired me to want to get my life right with God. Yeah, that's awesome. And the person that goes through stuff, they're not going anywhere. Once they're in the kingdom, they're not going anywhere. (laughs) Trust me. I've already had, you know, I've had it, tasted it bad. I am not going anywhere. And so somebody like yourself that's rebelled and said, mm-hmm. I don't want this, you're not going anywhere. You know, they, gotcha. it is super painful to watch it. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm I, telling you I what. Some of you guys need to go take off. If you yeah. want to stick around and 
talk a little bit. Yeah. We're game. We'll, we will be very sensitive to your time. It's, it's late for, and you know, I, I, how that goes. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I appreciate the patience part. We that before you kids today, parents, they really they try to protect them from sin. I'm like, are you kidding me? Number one, it's impossible. Uh, number two, you're shortchanging their development and their maturing process. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and trust me, you want your kids to be mature so you can live your life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and I say that in a very loving way. Yeah, know, you you just got to see it. It's, it's not helping her one bit when you try to she got to, you know, stuff like learn to bounce her checkbook and getting a speeding ticket. Yeah. My daughter, George, she's 20 now. She, we say, figure it out. We say, you get, well, I got to do this. We'll figure it out. And she figures it out. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, that'll, you know, they become very confident because they figured it out. They, you, yeah. you know, you need to quit figuring stuff out yeah. and relax. You know, right. you got enough stuff to figure yeah. out as a mom. And yeah. to not come down too hard on your kids, your Christian spirit. Yeah. You, know, you love them, you want to protect them, you want them to have the best, live the best possible life. But yet they are their own individual, they have their own personalities, their own way of, you know, going through and processing things. You know, you love them with all your heart, soul, mind, and you continue to model for them this to be a godly woman and then trust that God is going to watch over her protect her and lead her 
to him ultimately. And, you know, yeah. So I still tell my kids, Google it. Yeah. I tell them to Google it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we shut that off, right? They were, they were taping it, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, I got that. I got that. oh, you got it. Oh, here we go.